0: This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Many parents know that reading aloud to their children can help their development. But recent research shows that reading aloud can also triple a child's resilience at school particularly those
1: kids who have suffered maltreatment or neglect. I think we have this idea that it's only when someone's a teenager and perhaps they're self-harming that, oh, yes, they're struggling, but actually a one, two, three, four-year-old child can be struggling. Then... Living in a
0: noisy environment can be irritating, but it can also impact your health, even increasing the odds of having a heart attack.
1: Every five decibels increase in noise, there is a linear correlation with the number of heart attacks and strokes.
0: Those two stories and more are coming your way on this week's InfoTrack. The show begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. When a parent reads aloud to their young child, it can be a bonding experience. And recent research shows it can also triple a child's resilience at school, particularly those kids who have suffered maltreatment or neglect. Here with the details, InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy
2: Thank you, Chris. Our guest is Professor Leonie Siegel from the University of South Australia, and she was the lead author of the study. Professor, numerous studies have found that the pandemic years had a profoundly damaging effect on early childhood education. But your study specifically looked at children who have been victims of abuse, and you found one thing that can make a measurable difference. Tell us what that step is.
1: So in this study, we looked at children who'd had a abuse history, i.e. sort of physical, sexual, emotional abuse or neglect, and... Children who had been read to at home, they did much better at the start of school. So, we looked at developmentally, in terms of social and emotional and physical development at the start of school. And the children with an abuse history who had been read to at home were three times more likely to actually be doing well. And the children who hadn't been read to at home tended to be doing very poorly across all of these domains. Why do you think reading aloud has such huge benefits? I think there's a few things going on there, so particularly in households which are struggling to provide a nurturing environment for their children. Often children aren't getting the words that they need for their brains to develop, so often they're perhaps just being yelled at or not engaged with in a way that they can actually listen and regulate. So just even sitting down with a parent who is taking the time to focus on that child in a calm way. So it's a combination of the attention the parent's giving, sitting down in a calm and pleasant way, so it's a pleasant interaction, and just the words themselves. Vocabulary is important. We know that children who have more words tending to do better, it just helps stimulate the brain.
2: Tell us a little bit more about this study in general, the ages involved and the sorts of children you studied and so forth.
1: We basically use data in South Australia, which is a state in Australia of about 1.7 million people. We had data on children born from 1986 through to 2017, so there were over 600,000 persons in our study. And what we did was we had data linked, so we actually knew their full child protection history, so we knew if they were involved with child protection services. And we also had what they call the Australian Early Development Census record, which is implemented at start of schools, so when the children are aged between five and six, and that covers a whole range of, as I said, social, emotional, behavioural domains. It, you know, it includes questions like whether a child takes responsibility for their actions, whether they look after other children, as well as some physical development and questions and how well they can sort of self-regulate these sorts of questions. So then we um, looked at all of that data to see whether children with that child abuse history, whether they were doing worse than other children, but also we found that the outcomes for those children varied quite a bit and we're trying to look at whether there any factors that vary that could be changed and really the only one that came through was reading to the child at home. And the other thing is when we looked at that, that was we adjusted for where the sort of socioeconomic status, we adjusted for mother's age, we adjusted for all sorts of other factors and reading to that child at home still came through as important the other thing that's important is that boys were generally doing much much worse than girls so i think we need to really pay particular attention to our boys and particularly ensure that they're getting the sort of the positive stimulation they need because if they start school behind then often it's very difficult for them ever to catch up
2: Our guest on InfoTrack is Professor Leonie Siegel from the University of South Australia, and she was the lead author of a study that was examining the value of reading to help children who have been the victims of neglect and abuse. Did you find a magic number in terms of how much reading is enough to make a measurable difference?
1: We didn't have that information. But I think what's interesting is that the effect came up so large that it would suggest it's not necessarily that critical in terms of how much.
2: You mentioned that boys in particular are at risk. Does reading make even a bigger difference for boys, or is it kind of an equal between boys and girls? What did you find there?
1: We did look at boys and girls separately, and essentially the very similar, slightly better. So, I mean, with girls they were three times it's likely to be resilient and with boys, 3.3 times it's likely to be resilient. So very similar. So it's it's really useful for boys and girls. But given that boys are doing much worse that getting them up in a sense, I mean, so we're finding that for boys, say, with substantiated maltreatment, 60% of them when they start school are really, really behind developmentally. So if you can cut that back to only 20%, That's huge.
2: You at the University of South Australia have done extensive research on the impact of child abuse and neglect and even intergenerational effects. Talk about that for a moment because that sounds very interesting.
1: It's extraordinarily interesting because we've got this data set that goes through from 1986 through to 2017. We have mothers in that data set who we know their whole child abuse history as well as children, their children up to about age 12. And what we found was for mothers, particularly who'd say had a substantiated abuse or neglect, which means that ascertained that, yes, there was something pretty horrible going on in their homes, it was about 20 times as likely for their child to have substantiated abuse and neglect and even more likely that the child would end up in out-of-home care. I mean, the risk ratios were just off the scale. And part of what that's telling us is that children with abuse and neglect history, there's a lot of damage that happens to their brains and even just the way they understand relationship And we're not actually working with them therapeutically. So by the time they're in their late teens, early 20s, mid-20s having children, they've actually not been healed, they've not been therapeutically helped, so that they're still stuck in these quite traumatised patterns, which means they struggle to nurture their own children. We've also found things like they're more likely to die early. So by age 16, they were two-and-a-half times as likely to have died as children without a child protection history. And even if they reach 16 by the time they're 32, again, they're over twice as likely to die before they hit age 32. So in terms of mental health, I mean, we just find their mental health is so much worse. So the outcomes are very disturbing. And I think it's an issue across the world. And I think really part of the issue is we need to work with quite young children in terms of their mental health. I think we have this idea that it's only when someone's a teenager and perhaps they're self-harming that, oh yes, they're struggling. But actually a one, two, three, four-year-old child can be struggling. Any early childhood teacher will tell you that. They can pick out the toddlers that are really struggling. We need to have more services available then.
2: I understand you would also like to see more male educators recruited into early childhood settings. Why do you see that as so important?
1: Absolutely, because boys are doing poorly, certainly in Australia, and I'm not sure of the situation in the States, but we only have 5% of early childhood educators are male, and it's just sort of almost like a child deserves to see someone in the room that looks like them, someone who perhaps they might feel more comfortable with, particularly in these more distressed households often they don't have a positive male role model there for them i mean we expect in all sorts of other spheres that we want to get more women into the sciences but i think we're very slow to think about well actually we need to get men into female dominated areas it's actually very important for our boys i think often A bloke will have a better understanding of what it's like to be this boy that's acting out or can't control their emotions and behaviours in a way that perhaps sometimes the female teachers won't understand. And I think even just to get the dads into the classroom, if we had more male teachers there, perhaps the dads would be more comfortable. And it's important to actually start involving dads more in sort of more nurturing activities with their boys.
2: Professor, we're nearly out of time, but do you have any final words of advice for parents in terms of perhaps finding more time to read to any child?
1: Absolutely. And actually, it doesn't even have to be reading. You can sit down and tell a story. You know, just sitting down with a child, using words, engaging in a way that's a fun, pleasant, enjoyable interaction. You know, just even 15 minutes when you're taking the child to bed. Yeah, make sure you read to that child.
2: Professor Leonie Siegel from the University of South Australia, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey.
0: Next, can too much noise trigger a heart attack? That story coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this.